This is the story of one of Alberta's most distinctive landscapes and the people who share it with nature. There's such a richness here and a spaciousness here. They're so magnificent, those large animals. I wanted to understand these animals as they really were. We share this space. You're listening to Nature Talks, the Nature Conservancy of Canada podcast. Fascinating stories about nature, why we need it in our lives, and the passionate Canadians helping to protect it. I'm Tiffany Cassidy. This is episode one, The Last Five Miles. We're heading down a grassy hill towards a river. This is Alberta's eastern slopes, the point where rugged prairie runs smack into the Rocky Mountains. Off in the distance, Waterton Lakes National Park. On the horizon, snow-capped mountains that feel so close you could reach out and touch them. At the edge of the river, a small herd of deer is drinking. It's a pretty idyllic setting right here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The river's literally sparkling it is, in the sun. It's only, this is a special day. That's Larry Simpson, my tour guide. For 20 years, Larry's been a conservation leader with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, dedicating his career to protecting places like this in Alberta. This is his favorite place in the whole world. But it's more than just a beautiful spot. It's the last five miles. East of the Rocky Mountains, it's the five-mile-wide strip of prairie that runs next to them. It's the last part of Canadian prairie that still has most of the large mammals that were once here. Look at that, like 10 deer. Oh, they're all standing up because they see us coming. more over there, too. Before European settlement, millions of bison covered this grassland. Many other animals, too, including one that might surprise you. The grizzly bear. Today, we think of the grizzly bear as a mountain species. But it was once part of the grassland ecosystem. Now, this narrow fringe next to the Rockies is the only place in Canada where you can still find grizzlies wandering the prairie. We reach the Waterton River. Larry tells me there's so much more here than meets the eye. There's such a richness here and a spaciousness here. Willow and ponds, and the willows oftentimes will feature elk hiding in the spring as they have their calves or bears hiding as they go to look for those calves if they can find one to feed upon. They'll have trumpeter swans on some of the lakes, sandhill cranes who are, who are emitting almost a, a dinosaur-like sound that you can hardly believe is coming from this bird. Larry wants me to be able to hear these sandhill cranes before I leave the eastern slopes. We might be lucky enough to see some as they pass through on their annual spring migration. So how did this last remnant of the northern Great Plains, this refuge for large animals, survive when others didn't? Partly because it's just too rugged to farm. It's hard to convert the land to cultivate crops. But also because it is perfect for another kind of agriculture, one that's protecting a delicate balance. The ranch economy is what sustains the space needed by things like bears or cougars, or elk or deer or moose. Ranchers are working with conservationists to protect the land and its wildlife. That may seem counterintuitive, 
Don't grizzlies prey on the cattle? Aren't they a threat to the ranchers' livelihoods? Not here. Yes, there's conflict sometimes between bears and people and livestock, and uh, problematic bears are removed from the population. But it's the ranch economy that keeps that space there that so, so the bears can exist, even in the grasslands region along the edge of the Rockies. Since 2007, the bear population on the cattle ranches of the eastern slopes has increased by 4% a year. It is certainly an indication of how uh, resilient nature can be. The drive into Waterton Lakes National Park is beautiful. And it's also pretty unique, as parks go. This is the Waterton Parkfront. There are no big hotels or tourist attractions along the highway. It's all open ranch land. That's not by accident. The big threat here is development and fragmentation. It's a sought-after spot for resort-style vacation and dream homes. That's why the Nature Conservancy of Canada works with ranchers here. Together, they conserve 82% of the private land that borders the national park. The model works for ranchers and for nature. We're going to find out why. We need to meet Tracy Latham. We're riding around in an ATV on a ranch with Tracy Latham. Tracy manages this ranch, and we're heading to one of its most special places to see how wildlife live here. We pull up to one of its most beautiful spots, right in front of a pond. Tracy first saw this place when she was a kid. I remember gasping at how beautiful it was, and I just felt in my heart that I I had to live there. So I guess when you feel something in your heart, you end up going back to it. Now managing this ranch, she shares it with nature. Look, some ducks just landed there, and the moose lives in this pond, and she has twins this year. And the cougar sleeps in the, in the lean-to behind the hay shed, and... Uh, So how can you not like that? Geese are flying overhead right now. Tracy quickly learned to love the rancher's life. Specifically, she's passionate about how ranching can create a better habitat for all animals. That's domestic and wild. We already mentioned plains bison used to roam wild here. Their grazing was crucial to this functioning ecosystem. It kept these grasses healthy. Today, cattle have replaced bison. Tracy manages the cattle and the range in a way that is good for the land, the grasses, and the local economy. So Larry and I hop in a truck with Tracy to see how she does it. We're looking for sharp-tailed grouse. That's one way we can spot a healthy grassland habitat. The grouse is funny-looking to some, beautiful to others, with a pointy tail and colorful jowls. It lives on the ground. We pull up several meters away from a favorite grouse spot, and we look out. So they might be in for the day. Usually in the mornings they're out here. We could walk over there and see if there's fresh poop around. Sure. So we head out in search of fresh grouse poop, and we find some, and a few grouse feathers, These birds are here because Tracy allowed her cattle to heavily graze the patch. It creates the exact conditions the grouse need. A few steps away, it's a different story. 
lots of grass. Look at the beautiful grass. Look at this. Tracy throws the grass up in the air in excitement. Ooh, litter. <laughs> She's cheering for the old dead grass left over from last fall. Grass creates new sod because it decomposes and becomes beautiful black dirt. So this old grass that was left from last year? Yeah, like in 10 years it'll be dirt. But right now it's keeping all the moisture in the ground below it. So when the new grass shoots up, it'll come through there and the ground will stay nice and moist and it's protecting that new grass. That means more grass for cattle and also wild elk that will come through here and eat it. Elk are large and magnificent to watch, but you don't actually have to see them to be impressed. That's the sound of a male elk bugling. They put on their best performances in the fall mating season, trying to attract the females. The males will bugle, move slowly towards each other until they clash antlers in a show of aggression. Best display wins the mate. Their sounds echo across the Waterton Park front every autumn. This next interview is special. World-renowned naturalist Charlie Russell spent a lifetime studying grizzlies. I meet Charlie on the porch of the hawk's nest, his family cabin home perched on a high hill overlooking the Waterton Park front. He grew up here, close to nature. And you can't have a childhood like that. You know, it was so ideal. Wandering the mountains with horses, camping and traveling out from the camps and and watching all the wildlife and uh, fishing and what have you. It, it was a beautiful way to grow up. And it established a very important connection with the land, which has kind of haunted me <laughs> the rest of my life. Charlie's childhood drove him to be particularly fascinated with grizzly bears, while he grew up, grizzly bears were still being pushed back from a lot of places. He wanted to know more about them, so he observed. We insisted that they were this very dangerous animal that had to be killed if if you were going to survive, if there was, you know, that we couldn't coexist. Well, I saw evidence that we maybe could coexist. Charlie saw on his own ranch that bears rarely killed his cattle, he spent his lifetime observing grizzlies and giving them their space. And he found the bears were mostly happy to live their lives in landscapes where people lived. I had to be a part of nature, and it became such a wonderful experience to immerse yourself into nature as part of it and survive yourself. I became very respectful because... Place Nature is a rough place to survive in. This was Charlie's last interview. He passed away two weeks after we met. Charlie's legacy will be a life lived connected to nature. He worked to build bridges between conservation and ranching, 
supporting the development of the Waterton Parkfront. For the last time, here's Charlie's advice for coexisting with nature. Just pay attention to everything. And don't do it in a superior, with any kind of arrogance or any kind of superiority. Put yourself alone, without your dog, without anything, into nature, and and then just start observing and listening and feeling. You'll develop a, a tremendous appreciation for the struggle it is for everything to survive. To see how these bears and ranchers live together now, we'll need to talk to someone who shares the space. That's what we'll do after the break. The Nature Conservancy of Canada is a national charity. We protect important natural areas for the species that need them. Species from grass to humans. How much do you know now about ranching and conservation? To answer our quiz and learn more, go to natureconservancy.ca slash podcast. That's conservancy, not conservatory. Nature, C-O-N-S-E-R-V-A-N-C-Y dot C-A. We're traveling around the Waterton Parkfront to meet the ranchers who are helping to protect nature. Next stop, the Palmer Ranch. Meet Julia Palmer. She's a third-generation rancher on the eastern slopes. If she rode her horse over the whole ranch, she would cover 10,000 acres. One of the things that's really special about this landscape is um, that the prairie just kind of comes in and... uh, right up to the Rocky Mountains. There's very little foothills. It's just basically prairie and then the Rocky Mountains. And it's really spectacular. And also very windy. (laughs) Julia grew up here. It was the most special place. And throughout her life, people from other countries came to work on the farm. Everybody's like blown away by it. But the fact that it's so special is one of the reasons why Julia believes in sharing it including sharing it with wildlife. We have to share the space. You know, they're so, they're so magnificent, those large animals. And periodically it causes headaches. Um, we had 500 head of elk come in from Waterton National Park this winter, and all of our hay was out in the fields because we were bale grazing. If we hadn't realized those elk were there, we would have lost our whole haystack. And so it's this constant learning how to coexist. We share this space. And uh, for example, with grizzly bears, we've been really fortunate. Okay, there's been the odd critter that's been snacked on, but that's also part of ranching here. And so you minimize your risks. Julia minimizes her risks by picking up dead animals. Her family puts electric fences around their feed piles so the bears can't get in. She has to be careful. But in the end, ranching is keeping the land healthy, and that is allowing wildlife to live here. As Julia grew older, she started to believe she had an important role to play. I started to view it as a responsibility and view it as an opportunity to leave a little piece of this earth better or, you know, make a difference in some small way. And um, 
I'm not the first person who has loved this land. I won't be the last person who has loved this land. It's been centuries. It's sacred territory to the indigenous community from here. There's so many people who have loved this place, and this place has had meaning for them. And so I, I am the person who is here now, and I hope that I hope that I can do well by it, and I want to do well by it. And to me, that that means that it has to remain intact. It has to remain whole. And one of the best ways for it to be that is to be a working landscape. Julia's a bit unique when it comes to ranching. She's young, turning 33 soon. People her age don't always stay in ranching. At the same time, people her age aren't getting into ranching. If you weren't born onto a generational ranch, you're unlikely to start. Here's why. When Julia's grandfather bought the ranch in the 1980s, it was a couple hundred dollars an acre. Now it's worth a couple thousand dollars an acre. A cow won't pay for that. You cannot make enough money raising beef on that acre of land to justify that expense of buying that land. So you need to inherit a ranch to afford to ranch. But if the next generation doesn't want to continue ranching, the land is at risk of being sold and divided. Instead of being a wide-open space that supports wildlife, it's broken into many smaller pieces. It becomes fragmented. That means more roads, more houses, more fences, less wildlife. Habitat fragmentation is really concerning to me. It, it's problematic. It changes the landscape. It changes the dynamic of the landscape. And it changes the way people interact with the landscape. Julia hopes that fragmentation doesn't have to happen on her ranch. A few years ago, the family sold a part of it, about 5,000 acres, to the Nature Conservancy of Canada, allowing it to be conserved forever. And the family leases the land back for ranching. It was a way to prevent fragmentation. Julia hopes she can also work out something with her family to keep the portion they still own intact and in business for her to ranch into the future. She can't see herself living anywhere else. It's a really beautiful teacher, if that makes any sense. I love that part of it. Ranching is an important part of what has protected this place for wildlife. Wildlife that need these big open spaces. And the Nature Conservancy of Canada works with the ranchers to make sure that nature is protected in the best possible way. If ranching continues, this habitat will stay open and it will protect the wildlife that rely on it. I'm back on the road with Larry Simpson, winding down our visit to the eastern slopes, when suddenly he pulls over. At the side of the road, sandhill cranes, the bird we've been hoping to see. He opens the window and whispers to me to get out, to make sure I can hear them. So you get out and see if I you gotta get out, okay. The sound is just amazing. There they are, really big gray birds with a red patch on the top of the head, really long necks and legs. They've been seen here for thousands of years. He's right, they sound like dinosaurs. The Nature Conservancy of Canada does amazing things. 
like conserving lands in the last refuge for the original big animals of the northern Great Plains. This work is only possible because generous people like you donate. If you would like to support this work, go to natureconservancy.ca slash podcast and click on the big orange donate button. All amounts make a difference. Like what you heard on our podcast? Subscribe to future episodes on your favorite app. Give us a tweet using the hashtag NatureTalksPodcast, share it with a friend, or email us at podcast at natureconservancy.ca. And if you're looking to explore the amazing places we talk about on this podcast, go to natureconservancy.ca slash podcast to see our sites that you can visit. Next time, we're heading further west to Vancouver Island and to a meadow that people have cared for over thousands of years. This episode is dedicated to the late Charlie Russell and the community that supports sharing the landscape with the wildlife that live here. Thanks to Charlie, Tracy Latham, and Julia Palmer for showing us how they care for nature. Thanks to Larry Simpson for his expertise, and to everyone at the Nature Conservancy of Canada who put this together. And thanks to Pop-Up Podcasting. Some of the animals you heard were from the Macaulay Library at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, from recordists Dave Herr and Jeffrey A. Keller. And the cool banjo theme music you're listening to is by NCC staffer slash musician Carly Dow. Check out her music at carlydowmusic.com. I'm Tiffany Cassidy. Thanks for listening. 